Welcome back to the conversation with Dr. Sharma about the pain solution. Thank you for joining us last week, where we talked about the first three R's of the five R plan for pain solution. And let's get back to it. So we talked about refuel for food, revitalize, exercise, recharge for sleep. Anything you wanted to add to those three R's before we move to refresh? I think for the refuel part, because that's such a big piece, nutrition, is trying to, there's something called choice architecture and the way you set things up to make your choices easier to the path that you want to make healthier choices easier for you. And one tip is to set your pantry or kitchen up sort of like a grocery store where the things that you want people, meaning here, you or your family, to eat are front and center. So having the desserts in the back of the cabinet high up and out of the way and having whatever your healthy alternative is, whether that's mixed nuts or in the fridge, it could be yogurt, a good fermented yogurt in the front with some berries, as opposed to ice cream, having something like that more in the front of your eating spaces can make a big difference. Because whatever's easy is what we tend to do, especially if we're multitasking or talking to someone on the phone, we kind of just grab what's right there. So having the fruits front and center, having the vegetables front and center, having mixed nuts front and center, if you're allowed to partake in that with any allergies, having those things front and center can make a big difference in terms of what we intake. Absolutely. And I know for desserts, at least at our house, oftentimes that we just need to make that one hard decision to not buy it at the grocery store rather than buying it and then trying to resist it every day sitting on the kitchen table. For sure. Yeah. If you don't bring it in your house, that's the best. But sometimes you want to have a treat and there's nothing. I think that's one thing that we're trying to instill in our house too, that there's no forbidden foods. There's no food that is so bad that you have to hide away and feel shameful if you do eat it, but just a little bit in moderation and try to keep your overall diet as healthy as possible. But I like setting up your pantry in a way that incentivize you to pick some of the healthier choices. All right, let's transition to talk about refresh, which is another topic that I think we are very dependent on medications in our society. Stress, anxiety is so common. And not that medications are not important as part of the picture, but can you tell us what are some strategies that you would suggest in terms of relieving our emotional stress? Yeah, so the refresh section as you alluded to, is about stress reduction. And the data about mindfulness and meditation are just irrefutable at this point for reducing stress, inflammation, and pain, and really quality of life. So if people are open to using apps, there's many free apps that people can access, such as Calm, Headspace, 10% Happier. They all have a free version, at least. The Kaiser Permanente actually has free online mindfulness and visualizations too. And like we said, we can share the website with you. But these are simple tools that are really accessible. And I tell people, try to stack them into your day before and after a stressful event. So for some of your patients, or for a lot of people going to the doctor, for example, can be a stressful event. And so either before or after in the hospital garage, doing a five-minute mindfulness activity to sort of prepare yourself and then to de-stress can be helpful for physicians and really for any person who's working outside of the home. Same thing in the parking lot of the place where you work. Just doing a five-minute mindfulness activity just parked in your car and transitioning from your work self to your home self can be really beneficial. This is beneficial for people who work from home too, but I would often advise them to go for a walk outside 
or sit outside in a different space and do it to sort of make that delineation and do a fake commute where you walk around the block and say, okay, I'm leaving work me behind and I'm going to be home me and vice versa at the your start of your day. The data is just so huge. And if you're not a tech person, I think that's fine too. You can take a mindful walk outside and do what's called an awe walk. There's a study that came out a few years ago and showed that they took two groups of people and they told them to take a walk and they told them to take selfies. And they told one group to find something that brings them awe or they think is beautiful or inspires them and take a little selfie of yourself with that awesome thing, like a beautiful flower, for example, on your walk. And they found that the other group, they just told them to take a walk. And the people who were actually given the awe assignment, the awe task, they had improved mood for weeks after the study was done. Their own face and the selfie became smaller and smaller. And the thing behind them became more of the focus. So it gives you that perspective. And you don't need any technology to do that. You don't have to do the selfie part. You can just go for a walk and just find something that's inspiring on your walk. And it can be the same walk you take every day around the same block. And if you look, you can find something. You can find a rock you didn't see, a cloud formation you didn't notice, a leaf. There's so many things you can find. You're like, oh, that's kind of different. That's kind of neat. And it pulls you out of your own head a little bit and your own stress. It makes you recognize the beautiful things around you. So I think there's a lot of simple ways to be mindful that are not soaked in religion or soaked in technology. Absolutely. And I know that you mentioned earlier that you also do acupuncture. And I think one thing that sometimes my patients ask me, and I don't know the answer to, is how do you know who to choose in terms of finding an acupuncturist? Who is appropriate for acupuncture? Acupuncture can be used just for a maintenance type thing, just for a general kind of wellness and calming the body and the mind. The way I practice acupuncture is purely for pain, just because that's my specialty. So that's how I have people who are candidates for it. In terms of finding good acupuncturists, you want to make sure that they have a state license, just like you make sure your physician has a state license. You want to make sure an acupuncturist has a state license. You want to make sure they use single use needles. Those are the two big requirements. I'm really backed up with acupuncture, so I refer out a lot. And those are the things I tell them. You want to make sure they have a state license and they use the single-use needles. And in this day and age, um, most practitioners should use the single-use needles, but not everyone. Yeah, that's a great idea. Can't imagine sharing needles among people. I think that... <laughs> They're supposed that to be point... re-sterilized, but you know, yeah. your yeah. comfort level with that. Right. Exactly. And I know you talk about kind of the mindset around pain as well and the relationship between pain and our mood and depression. What are some potentially helpful thoughts or reframes that you would suggest to your patients? I think some of the reframes are having what I call a rise attitude or a rise mindset, which is this is not permanent. I'm not stuck here forever so that there's room to change. I think that's a big reframe. And if you can sort of get to that point where you feel like you're not doomed or destined to be suffering your whole life, that's really going to open a lot of doors. Because if you're not at that point, then you can't make these little steps, these little changes we're talking about today. I think having gratitude has sort of been overdone over the years lately, but finding something you're thankful for each day and you don't have to write it down. But one thing I talk about is the big three, which is like a noun. So a person, place and thing you're grateful for that day. And even just going over that when you're sort of not feeling great or in a moment of stress can be helpful. But I think reframing your perspective as things can get better. Sometimes something called a rise mentor, which is a term I came up with, finding someone who inspires you, someone who may have overcome adversity similar or greater than yours can be helpful. It doesn't necessarily have to be a person you know. It could be someone that you've met at work, or it could be someone in history. It could be someone on a television show. But whoever inspires you to do good and be good, that sort of can be helpful as well. You can sort of think about what would they do in the situation or how would they overcome this? And some of them can be really big, famous people like Mahatma Gandhi or Mother Teresa. 
or it could be something like Ted Lasso or Leslie Nope from television and just sort of people who kind of persevere despite challenges and sort of barring their attitude a little bit. Yeah, I think that the mindset is so important. If people don't necessarily think that they can have the power to change their life and do things that are proactive for their pain, then pretty much everything else is sort of not going to happen because the thought that I'm going to try this and I'm going to take these steps to see if I can feel better, that's oftentimes a very, very important step. For a lot of people, feeling better for themselves isn't motivating enough. And it sometimes you have to reframe it as for someone else. So I want to be there for so-and-so's graduation, or I want to be there for my spouse. Or I want to be there for my church group. Or I want to be there for my neighbor. And so I want to get healthier or feel better so that I can support someone who I love and who's important to me. Sometimes that's more motivating. And so talking to people or even ourselves thinking about what our big goal is or our purpose that can really help have some perspective so that when you hit that hurdle and you hit that challenge, you're like, well, I've got to figure this out. I've got to get better because I have to work on this big project. This is my big purpose in life. And if I'm sitting here incapacitated, I'm not working on that. And so I think having a bigger goal and sometimes asking people what their bigger goal is can be helpful or what brings people joy so we can get them back to their joyful activities can be really beneficial as well. Yeah. And then coming back to social relationships, something that we mentioned earlier on, one of my common complaints that I hear from my older adults is that as they get older, particularly the older you go, oftentimes the fewer friends you have, because a lot of people who are important in their lives have passed away or moved away. And the older adults are having difficulty meeting new friends or reestablishing important social relationships. What are your thoughts about that? I think part of that is prehabbing a little bit. So I talk with my patients who are retiring or near retiring about this. When you leave your job and if you've been working full time for 30 years, 20 years, 40 years for the bulk of your life, then you have to have a little bit of a plan and it might involve being a little more proactive in your social life than you previously were. So sort of volunteering in your neighborhood library or your neighborhood religious organization that you're comfortable with or things like Lions Clubs and reaching out and making new friends if you have to, if your previous social security circle is not the same as it was before. And if you're tech savvy, definitely connecting with people in online groups can be helpful. But I think the biggest thing is getting involved in your community one way or another. And places like libraries are always looking for volunteers. I have some elderly patients who have done Meals on Wheels for 20 years. She's almost 80 and she's been doing it for 20 years now. She's not capable of driving out meals, but she goes to the kitchen. She makes sandwiches every Friday. And then her and her friends go out for lunch after her Meals on Wheels friends. They go out for lunch after. So it becomes kind of a win-win. You feel like you're serving your community, but then she's also getting her social interactions. So I think sometimes recognizing one that you still have so much to offer and that you can make the world better, even if you're not formally working anymore in the workforce. And then two, that you might have to be a little proactive about finding a community that makes sense for you in this stage of life. Yeah, absolutely. And I think older adults have so much to contribute to our society, but oftentimes we don't talk about all of their contributions. We think that, oh, because you're retired and not working anymore, it's almost like your value as a person decreases. But That definitely is not the case and shouldn't be the case for a lot of people. Just thinking about, again, back to my own grandparents, they retired fairly early, but they still had a very full life and were 
involved with a lot of different social groups and ways to get themselves involved in the community for decades after the retirement. So I've not heard of prehab in terms of preparing for retirement, but I think that's another great idea to kind of proactively say what other things I can get involved in in my community to meet more people and to have that additional social connection. I think people undervalue if you still go to an office or a hybrid or work in healthcare, then you're still in on site, how much social interaction happens in the workplace. And when you retire, how much you lose that. And like we talked about, social connection and relationships are so important for physical and mental well-being that really preparing for that and not losing that is so important. Before you retire, you can start joining some of these community groups as well and volunteer groups to sort of have that set up so transition is not so hard. It's, it's so important and it can be challenging. You and I both have young children, but even spending time with other mothers or at school with their parents was a great way to start building that even now. Yeah, everything takes intentionality and planning and effort and making small steps. I think making even one social outing sometimes is better than not planning for any social interaction and just say, oh, well, I'm just too busy or I'm too limited by paying or can't drive. And I think it's really a lot of times comes back to your attitude and how much you think are within your power to change. For sure. And, and recognizing that it's important. And so that's why it's so wonderful to be on this podcast and have two physicians talking about social connection being important and not being something that's just at the bottom of your to-do list. It's one of the big five things that I advocate for to reduce stress and inflammation to help with longevity and aging. So I think hearing that, and unfortunately, it's not something that most providers have time to discuss with their patients, just the way schedules are set up between administrators and insurers. Physicians can't discuss everything they would like. And you'd asked me earlier, and that's part of the motivation for writing the book too. It's sort of all these things that I want to talk about and share with patients, and it's all evidence-based data, but it's not something I have time to do. And so giving someone a tool and saying, look, I believe in this and more than I believe in this, this is what the literature shows. And I don't have the ability to go through all of it with you, but here's sort of something written for lay people that's evidence-based and can empower you. I think that's what inspired me to write the book as well. Yeah, that's great. So for those who are listening, Dr. Sharma's book is called The Pain Solution. And we're going to put the link to purchase the book on the show notes as well. And I really appreciate you joining me today, Dr. Sharma. Is there any final words of advice or anything else you would like to share with our audience today? I think a final thought, which is we all have the power to feel better. We just might need some guidance. None of us are incapable of improving our health just a little bit each day. And it may not be complete cures, but feeling a little bit better, taking back some control of our health from a healthcare system that often doesn't give that to us is possible. So I think just knowing that you have the power to feel better within your own hands. That's great. We have agency in our lives, even in cases when people don't think they have agency. I think there's always something within our control, whether it's our or the things that we put forth to help ourselves have a healthier and more joyful life. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Sharma, for joining me today. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave me a review on Apple Podcasts or a platform of your choice. For those of you who don't know how to leave a review, because I've finally heard from some people that's a problem as well. If you go to Apple Podcasts, the show, and scroll down, there are options to put in stars and it has a little tab that says write a review. And that will really help me and help other people find this podcast to listen to. And thank you so much.